30 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Pulse of, I mean, Pack-A-Day Podcast. It is the end of the NFL draft, which leads me to wonder what it is exactly we're going to talk about here for the next three months or so before training camp begins. I'm your host this evening. I am Jacob Westendorf, and joined with me, as you probably guessed by the joke I made earlier, is Pulse of the Pack co-host and recently vacationing, well, workcationing, if that's a word, in Los Angeles, California, Jason Perone. Jason, welcome back to Arizona. Did you enjoy your stay? It was a 100% work trip. Let me just be very clear there, just in case anybody from work is listening to this show, which I'm sure <laughs> they're not. I am glad to be back in Arizona. Anytime you're in Los Angeles trying to navigate those roads, it is a bear. So glad to be back, but we had a good time. Uh, Watching the first round of the draft kind of via, via hangouts, it was cool to kind of experience that together for whatever that was worth. I know we're not going to talk about that particular uh, space of the draft today, but glad to be back on Pack-A-Day. Sorry I missed the, uh, the big draft show last night with all the superstars, but yeah, day three, I mean, honestly, day three saw the Packers add the majority of their picks from this class, actually, so today, Saturday was uh or tomorrow sunday i guess is when this is going up uh pretty active day yeah it was packers didn't have a fourth round pick uh that a byproduct of trading up for darnell savage let's briefly before we get into day three i do want to touch on the first round because obviously the the first round is the one everybody talks about it's what we build up for all the time it's I mean, there are good players that get taken in all the rounds, but the first-round pick is the one they get the most money, they get the most hype, they get the most everything. So let's talk about that first. Uh, Darnell Savage was a player the Packers traded up for uh, with their second first-round pick, and I want to start there because, well, I've got I've got some pretty strong opinions about their first first-round pick and some of the stuff I've read since uh, the pick was made. So with their second first-round pick, they moved up, and some people said – you know, immediately, oh, they could have waited till 30 and gotten a player like Darnell Savage or gotten Darnell Savage. And Brian Gutekunst basically said, that's not true. I know for a fact uh, they would not have gotten him had they stayed at 30. Savage was, of all the safeties, my favorite in this year's draft class. I ranked him as the first safety in the draft. By the time I finished my tape evaluation for the safeties, it was April 3rd, I Posted that tweet again the other night, uh, just in case you guys thought I was lying when I said that, but I thought he was the best safety in the draft. The Packers clearly felt the same way. Uh, they Matt LaFleur mentioned the name Earl Thomas. That's a lofty comparison. If he's Earl Thomas, I am stoked. Um, obviously, anybody would be stoked with adding Earl Thomas, but he has a good chance. He He's probably your day one starter at free safety, uh, or just I should just say safety since they're kind of interchangeable, but next to Adrian Amos, and he pairs very well with Adrian Amos is what's being said by a lot of different people. So, Jason, we were together when they did that. Uh, I I don't think we had any names in mind when they traded up, 
just because there were so many players still on the board. It could have been a receiver. We didn't think it was a tight end. Uh, maybe the offensive tackles, Andre Dillard was still available. Jawan Taylor, who fell out of the first round, was still available. But when Green Bay tra- traded up, did you sense it was for a safety? Or you know what were you kind of thinking as they moved up? I was thinking skill player because I, you don't, I wouldn't assume they would move up for who they ended up picking, although I know Ted Thompson, who Brian Gutekunst was in the room for and helping prep for a couple of years ago, did that for Jason Spriggs in the second round. So again, you know, here we are moving up for an offensive lineman. Hopefully Jenkins ends up, you know, doing more than, you know, than, uh, than Spriggs did. But outside of that, I really had no idea. The other part of that, too, is I was actually, that's when I was sitting on the plane waiting to come back, and the pick was just about to happen, and they were just about to take off, which is right when I was going to lose my cellular service. So I thought for sure, like, I was just barely going to miss the pick. So, uh, but it, it caught me off guard. But honestly, that was the theme of this whole draft. This whole draft caught me off guard. I think we learned a lot about this regime and how they're going to attack acquiring players. We know that they like guys with a lot of athletic ability and guys who are versatile. So from now on, I think those of us who are looking at prospects and prepping are going to have to keep those two very important things in mind. Yeah, certainly appears to be a trend from uh, the first two seasons here. Uh, Something I was happy to see was that they only gave up those, and I say only, but those two fourth round picks, I really wanted them to stay in the top 100 and they did. That was helpful. It's how they were able to acquire Elton Jenkins and uh, Jay Sternberger on day two. But that was Darnell Savage. The first pick was the one that sent shockwaves through, at least I should say, Packers Twitter. Because it seems like there are guys every year that the NFL likes more than the internet guys do. And I'm not sure where that disconnect lies. It's something that fascinates me every single year. But that was Michigan defensive end Rayshon Gary. And I'll be the first to admit, uh, I am a Michigan fan. I've watched every single snap of Rishon Gary's career. Uh, I followed him since he was the number one overall recruit and uh, committed to Michigan over Clemson and Alabama and of many other places that were recruiting him. So that all being said, Rishon Gary was not my first choice. Uh, for this, I had said I would be comfortable picking him 30th overall, and that was my eval. Was you know some people said 44 at the earliest, some people said he was a third rounder. I mean these are internet people, obviously. The NFL and people that are connected to the NFL all have kind of stated they thought he was a top top echelon prospect. He may have slid because of some injury concerns, but it also seems like Rashawn Gary said flat out in his. Uh, meeting with the Green Bay media, no surgery, period, as far as his right shoulder goes. And I can say this, there was a stretch, well, hang on a second, let me get to this. Um, As far as his shoulder injury goes, it appears that's not a concern. Uh, The Packers docs cleared him, that matters, uh, to me at least, notoriously conservative on that end of things, and... Gary says he doesn't need surgery. And if Gary says he doesn't need surgery, you can't just make that up because, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like two weeks later, if he has surgery on his shoulder, they're going to be like, okay, so you're a big liar. Like, what, <laughs> you know, what are you doing? Um, here's kind of my thing 
with Rashawn Gary. And again, if you want to question why Green Bay made the selection because you like other players at that spot better, fine. Uh, I understand that. But what I don't understand and what I'm not going to accept is some of the lazy criticisms that have come about Rashawn Gary. The first one I read was there were some concerns that Gary doesn't love football. Let me start with that. Rashawn Gary started this season, this past season, at Michigan. He already had a shoulder injury when they took the field against Notre Dame. And he played the first several games with that injury, and it continued to progressively get worse. And after, eventually, it just became you know too much for him to bear. He sat for a few games, and that includes uh, like their, their rivalry game against Michigan State. And it would have been very easy for Rashawn Gary to just say, okay, I'm a first-round pick. I'm the former number one recruit in the country. I'm just going to sit and rest on my laurels here and take my chances in the draft. Somebody who doesn't love football probably does do that, but he didn't. He came back, and he played the rest of the season. And I don't think somebody who doesn't love football does that. The other thing I've read is that his motor runs hot and cold. And he takes plays off and all that sort of stuff. And that that's a pile of crap. Uh, I mean, guys, listen. Rayshon Gary's coaches at Michigan were some guys you're probably not familiar with. Uh, Don Brown, defensive coordinator, no-nonsense guy, uh, very tough around the edges. Looks like he wakes up and eats a bowl of nails every single day for breakfast. Uh, Greg Madison is his position coach, another older guy. No BS, nothing like that. And his head coach is Jim Harbaugh. Everybody that listens to this podcast is familiar with Jim Harbaugh and what kind of coach, person he is. He's a tough guy. He's a man's man. Loves tough players. He doesn't go out of his way to praise his players if they don't deserve it. And from a character standpoint, these guys, those three guys I just mentioned, could not speak highly enough of Rayshon Gary. Not something that they just do for the hell of it. So, again, if you have concerns about the player, fine. Uh, Character-wise, Green Bay is getting a cream of the crop uh, as far as that goes. I've got a couple of friends that live in the New Jersey area, which is where Gary went to high school at Paramus Catholic. And they know a few people, like a few of his coaches and stuff, and they all couldn't speak highly enough of him either. Character-wise, he's as good as it gets. Uh, athletically, as good as it gets. Production-wise, that's where a lot of Gary's questions come into play. Uh, he, you know, he never really dominated for Michigan. That's kind of the question I had as well. There are some, uh, there's some truth to the idea that Gary was doubled a lot, uh, and that maybe he wasn't used with the intent of go kill the quarterback and just pin your ears back and go. He didn't do that, but. I just want to get that out of the way of, you know, Rayshon. Not only that, Michigan's recruiting coordinator today tweeted out that Rayshon Gary was in Michigan's weight room uh, early this morning. This is two days after he became a first-round pick and is going to get a big signing bonus. Now, again, somebody who doesn't love football, somebody whose motor runs hot and cold, they're not in the weight room on a Saturday morning two days after they get that big paycheck guaranteed to them. It's nonsense. I won't hear any of it. Uh, Jason, what were your thoughts on? Obviously, we were together, but what do you, I mean? You've had a couple days to kind of digest it a little bit, but what were your thoughts on the fact that they took Rayshon Gary over 
some names like Montez Sweat, Brian Burns, uh, Andre Dillard, some of the offensive line. They pretty much had their pick of offensive linemen other than Jonah Williams. Uh, any of the defensive linemen were available except for, well, Cleveland Farrell's a little bit higher, but they, they kind of had their pick of defensive tackles too except for Ed Oliver uh, and Quinton Williams. So obviously we both thought it was surprising, but have you calmed, well, I don't even know if you were all that upset, but have you calmed down since the pick was made? Well, let's go backwards for a second here because I think your original question before was actually about um, Savage versus round two, and I had my day three and later rounds on the on the brain. So with regards to Savage, just to clarify, when they moved up, I thought it was going to be for one of the Iowa tight ends. So still a skill position, but I thought it would be an Iowa tight end, but happy with the Savage pick. The Gary pick caught me off guard. Now, take this with a grain of salt, everybody, because I write for Cheesehead TV, and I, you know, we all sign up to cover a round of the draft, and we did a, you know, kudos to my team over there for a great job for another draft this year. I had the first pick of the first round, and I spent a good couple hours last weekend prepping for several guys, as I do every year, that were likely to go to Green Bay. Now, you know, the joke was on me because Rayshon Gary was one of the very few guys that I had nothing on, so that played a, a factor into some of my frustration. I was kind of going off of what some of the other people on on Twitter that I follow who cover the team and have a lot more knowledge of what's going on than I do. It threw me off. I didn't like it at first because it kind of reeked of one of those picks from before when Ted Thompson used to be the Packers GM. Where you're kind of scratching your head going, what? And three days later, Two days later, obviously, I've, I've seen a lot of, I've heard his interviews, I've seen a lot of information come out, I've seen a lot of highlight tapes, taken a step back and obviously looked at, at Gary the player, and then some of the things you mentioned, Jake, which are, you know, he, he's not going to lie about his shoulder, he put up a ton of bench reps, too, you're not going to put up 26. Yeah, 26 bench reps, you're not putting that up with a bum shoulder, so this guy, I mean, you know, as is as is the case with a lot of these prospects, comes in with some a, a lot of growth he needs to do, and you know a lot of these guys still need to learn the game and grow. So that's not you know it's it's no it's going to be no different for Rayshon Gary at at twelve than it is for Kyler Murray at one with the Cardinals. So you know that take that out of the, the equation. There is no sure fire sure thing as much as the analysts want us to believe that there is. There isn't. So. You know, you look at and, – and we have to understand, too, and I understand a lot more after this draft. And, again, kudos to – and, Jake, you and the team that did the, the Cheesehead TV draft guide. Great resource for these past couple of days as soon as – especially on day three when, when all these draft picks are coming through and the names aren't as familiar. At least there's something we can go to to look these guys up. But, you know, it, it's it's all about the growth, and, and you just never know what a player is going to – is going to do. You know, I'm seeing Wonderlick scores come out from players. I'm seeing, you know, intelligence this, off-field issue that, character concern this. Listen, we don't know. We just don't know. And if you're a, a fan of the Packers, which those of you who are listening to this show probably are, if you're not, then you're an incredible, uh, in, incredible study of the NFL. <laughs> and you have to want – Rayshon Gary to work out. You can't not want him to work out. What purpose does that serve? It's a first-time head coach coming in with a new regime. You know, he's an offensive-minded head coach. 
if you don't think that the Packers aren't trying to set Matt LaFleur up for a ton of success because Brian Gutekunst's job, Mark Murphy's reputation, and probably his job are riding on LaFleur succeeding. So if they picked a defensive player over somebody on offense who can immediately light a fire into the off, into this Packers offense that wasn't that great in 2018 with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, that should also tell you that there might be something to this Gary kid. So go watch, like you've said a million times, Jake, go watch the tape because the tape is what tells the story. That's what, that's what you should form your opinion on. Don't just go look for every blue check mark on Twitter and follow along with, with what the herd is saying. Watch for yourself and make your own judgment. But until the, they get to training camp and everyone puts the pads on, we're not really going to know what he's going to be. Yeah, let me clarify something real quick. When Jason said the herd, he meant like as in a group of people, not, oh, the, not, yes. not the blowhard that talks on Fox Sports for a living. Correct. Just to be very clear, we do not endorse that show by any stretch of the imagination, nor just about any programming uh, other than what includes Nick Wright, and that's an unpopular opinion probably on my end, but I like him, so uh, that's beside the point. Uh yeah, as far as Rashawn Gary goes, just to kind of close things up on him real quick, listen, athletically, there's no questions. Character-wise, once you kind of know a little bit more and look into things for two seconds, no questions. Uh, it's going to come down on the field, and that's the case with everybody. You know, and I, I do think that the point you made of there are no sure things because I see, you know, the darling, and I'm I'm right there with you guys, but the darling of Packers Twitter was Brian Burns. And Brian Burns was available, and the Packers took Rayshon Gary instead. And I think that's something that a lot of people are going to be complaining about over the next couple weeks. But Brian Burns was not a sure thing either. You want questions about his on-field or you know questions about him as a prospect? They're there. Can he maintain weight? Can he play against the run? Uh, what's you know what's he going to do when he gets a tackle that's a little bit bigger on him? Can he just run around those guys? There's questions about Brian Burns too. It's not like the Packers passed up this quote-unquote sure thing to take a completely unknown in Rayshon Gary. The reality of the situation is they're all complete unknowns. But I do understand that people are upset. You know, you spend a lot of time, you do your evaluations, and then the guy you want is available and Green Bay doesn't take him. I get it. Uh, especially when they had the chance and maybe they pick somebody that you didn't really like. But he's a Packer now. You hope he works out. If you don't, then you're just kind of stubbornly being stupid. Uh, that's really the only way to put that. Um, but, you know, that's the first round. That's not what we're supposed to talk about. I'm sure plenty of people will talk about Rayshon Gary. I will rant about him, and I will let you guys know flat out. Yeah, there is a little bit more for me to root for him because, one, well, one, because now I see all the doubt that people are giving him. And he went to my favorite college team. I've rooted for him for three years. And, two, um, he's a Packer now. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of the big thing is he's a Packer now. And he, went, he played at Michigan for a few years, and now he's in Green Bay. You know, that makes it a little bit easier on my end for me to have to root for him. But I'm excited to see what he can do. And if there's anybody that can unlock that untapped potential that is Rayshon Gary, it is Mike Patton, Jerry Montgomery, and Mike Smith. Uh, so let's move out to what we're supposed to talk about today. We're recapping day three of the Packers draft. Like I mentioned, they didn't have any fourth-round picks. In the fifth round, they took uh, Ke- Kingsley Kiki, defensive lineman uh, from Texas A&M. This is actually back-to-back picks that they went from Texas A&M because uh, they went with 
Jay Sternberger in the third round. Um, so that, you know, that was kind of cool. Uh, and then in the sixth round, they picked two players. Running back Dexter Williams was the second of those picks. He's out of Notre Dame. He has a really cool story and kind of a one that tugs at the heartstrings if you read or if you see the video of him getting drafted. His mom has a terminal illness. It's actually uh, really kind of cool. Kader Hallman from Toledo was a cornerback that they took, and Ty Summers, the linebacker of TCU, was the last player that Green Bay picked. Jason, let's just start on the very short end of the spectrum. Of those players picked, the reality is it's unlikely all of them become players. It's actually more likely that none of them become good players in Green Bay. What you're looking for on day three is... You know, traits, probably guys to contribute on your special teams. And if you hit on one a la Donald Driver, somebody like that, then, well, great. (laughs) You know, that's awesome. It's very rare that there are guys like that, though. Donald Driver, Tom Brady, all these guys that get picked on day three and everybody talks about every single year, those guys are the exception to the exception to the exception to the exception, not the rule. Uh, so that's where we're at. But, Jason, of those guys I just mentioned, which one do you think has the best chance to contribute the soonest? Uh, it would be Dexter Williams, a running back out of Notre Dame. The Packers need a third guy back there. They don't have one right now. The rest of the guys just seem like depth to me. So, obviously, round five is kind of that you know middle ground where what do you do? If I remember last year, that was where the Packers decided to get busy trying to fortify their special teams. We won't get into that too much deeper than that. Um, Uh, But, you know, when you look at the names and you look at some of the backstories and you watch the tape, you know, um, Jake might not need your help with Holman's pronouncing his first name. Is it Kader? That's what I've gotten is Kader. Kader Holman out of of Toledo, majorly raw, huge project. And he's a sixth-round pick. Seventh-round, Ty Summers, the linebacker out of TCU. Yeah, great measurables. The Packers, we talked about this before we started, the Packers have the third highest overall raw athletic score in this draft. So I think the Saints and the Chargers are the only other two teams that had uh, an overall draft with a higher athletic score. So clearly, Brian Gutekunst is going after athletes on day three and trying to turn them into players and seeing what he can do there. You know, day three is exactly what you said. You're taking flyers on players and hoping that they can become special teamers. You might even be able to stash, you know, I'm looking at a guy like Holman and Summers. Those guys look like ideal candidates for the practice squad. Let them yep. get a year under their belt, learn the system, and then see what they have and what they can bring to us next. So, but for me, it's Williams. You know, he, he came from a big school, Notre Dame. He's not a flashy runner, you know, but when he runs within the system, which, you know, obviously the Matt LaFleur offense is going to focus more on the run. This could be a good fit for him because if, if the offense is setting him up for success and he's you know he reads well he's got good patience you know if, if and you've got a good offensive line in front of him he could end up uh, you know being a good contributor on third down now the now the question is you know how well is he catching the ball out of the backfield how well can he pick up the blocking and the assignments and all that kind of stuff too but for me it's it's you know and, and I mean it's you know we, we have kind of an easy job in the, on this show because there's only four picks to go through. I mean, there could have been a ton, but like you said, no fourth rounder. They only picked one and five, two and six, and one and seven. So, 
there's not a lot to choose from. And as you get further and further down, obviously, like you said, Jake, the exception, the exception, the exception, I don't see any of these guys um, being big contributors this year. Um, you know, Kiki, the defensive lineman, who I think is going to probably convert to linebacker at the NFL level, there's some things to like about him. Um, but, the, you know, the fifth-round picks on defense in the Packers' history have not necessarily all gone very well. So I know it's a new regime, but I don't know that that one's going to pan out too well. So I'll go with Dexter Williams. I think based on what we talked about when we started rolling, I think uh, you probably agree, unless I am mistaken. No, I do. Um, I also think that's where the most opportunity lies. Like, if you look at it, Kingsley Kiki has an uphill battle in front of him because he's behind guys like Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, Dean Lowry, Montrevious Adams, Tyler Lancaster, Fidal Brown. And that doesn't even bring into the equation that Green Bay still could. I don't think they will, but they still could bring back Muhammad Wilkerson for another go-round if he's ready to pass a physical. It's a interesting look. You know, the cornerback spot, I think that it would be very surprising if Hallman cracked the rotation out of that group. Uh, and then you mentioned Ty Summers, a linebacker. I suppose it's possible for him. Blake Martinez is there. Oren Burks is clearly somebody they're counting on. I would imagine with the addition of Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos that you know Josh Jones is going to be focusing on playing linebacker more than he is playing uh, safety, but we'll see how that goes. Summer strikes me as a type that, yeah, I think you're right. Practice squad, if he does play, it'll be because he just dominates on special teams uh, in camp and the preseason. And we'll see how that goes. He definitely has the athletic profile for that, to be an ace type of special teamer. But Dexter Williams, he's a zone runner. The Packers are going to run inside and outside zone as well as anybody, or as much as anybody, I should say, with Matt LaFleur bringing over essentially the Shanahan offense. And Aaron Jones is the Packers' best running back. Uh, Jamal Williams does some things well. But is certainly somebody that I would. I've often said if you know, if football was baseball, and players were wins above replacement, Jamal Williams is the R in WAR. Uh, good, you know that doesn't make him a bad player. It's just somebody you can replace, uh, and I think that that's where Dexter Williams's chance comes in. Uh, but Kingsley Kiki, somebody that you know Ross Uglum has done a great job all weekend with those threads uh, on Twitter. After the picks have been made, he looks like an interior rusher. I wouldn't be surprised if he beats out Tyler Lancaster, for example. I mean, Tyler Lancaster, with all due respect, he did some nice things at the end of last year, but he's not exactly a you know must keep player. He's not Mike Daniels or Kenny Clark or somebody like that. You know, it's a it's a uh, a replaceable player, and I think that's what you know. If that's the guy Kiki's going to beat out, I'm going to be interested to see what they do as far as keeping guys number-wise along the defensive line uh, for this year. But they have a, the Packers after this draft and the way they went in free agency have a very deep and versatile group in that front seven. And there really is no excuses anymore. If the Packers' defense stinks, uh, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered and probably some heads that will that will need to roll because this defense is simply too talented at this point to not be good. Uh, barring a historic set of injuries. And I'm talking like those that follow baseball. Look at the injured list for the New York Yankees. Their entire starting lineup is on it. 
that's the kind of thing that would have to happen in Green Bay to get a pass on something like that. But deep and talented group, I think they took some shots. One thing that was a little surprising, I guess, was they didn't – well, once they got out of the first two days, I said they shouldn't have taken a receiver anyways, but they did not draft a wide receiver at all. So it seems they're content with the group that they have. They're going to roll with that for a year. And, I mean, they can reassess next year always if they want to. But, you know, it remains to be seen on that. I think if if you had to ask, there's, there's positions every year that teams take risks on. You know, you can't address all your needs in one offseason. It's just not a feasible thing. And especially a team that had as many needs as the Packers did coming into this draft class. But receiver last year it was outside linebacker and safety both positions ended up being disasters the Packers gambled and lost on those positions Uh, and you see the way they addressed it this year you know they signed three free agents at those positions and they spent a first round pick on each of those uh, each position like that too so that's how they felt that they needed to readdress on that situation this year it's wide receiver and linebacker now the Packers typically haven't valued off-ball linebackers um, in recent memory, but they have, uh, you know, they didn't address the position at all, and then receiver-wise, they didn't address that position either. Jason, again, like I said, there's not a ton to be gleaned from day three just because it really is just kind of preferred undrafted free agents. The theory is the draft is four rounds long, so if that's the case, the Packers only picked in three of those four rounds. Uh, the fifth round, they've had some fines before. We just mentioned Dexter Williams, a sixth-round pick, as somebody that we like as a chance to break out here. Well, let's just go through some things here with this draft class to kind of wrap things up for this draft process that has been awesome uh, to you know to keep track of all year long here. But of the picks, which pick was your favorite one? And that doesn't—I mean—that can be based on the position the player plays. That can be based on you didn't think he was going to be available at that position. But which player do you think? Or which, which, what was your favorite pick of the picks that they made? And obviously, you know, I mentioned the exception to the exceptions to the exceptions and all that stuff. Uh, but the Packers ended this year with, I believe, eight picks. And I, I kept making the joke that, you know, they're going to have eight Hall of Famers. Uh, it's very rare that a team can draft eight Hall of Famers in the same class, but the Packers found a way to do that. So kudos to them. So of the eight Hall of Famers they just drafted, which pick was your favorite one? Well, I'm... I'm hoping that Gary becomes that, but if I'm being honest right now, and on draft day too, if you had shown me a list of the players just based on names, I would have said Darnell Savage. And I'm going to go with Savage because they basically gave up that last round of the four rounds you're talking about to go up and get him. And from everything that I'm seeing, and again, you know, these guys have to max out in order for for the everything to work out and for everything to be justified. But he. He could be the exact type of safety this this defense has not had in a long time. I mean, we thought Ha Ha Clinton Dix was going to be a little bit more of this. Although I don't I don't think Ha Ha Clinton Dix ever had the the reputation for being a hitter. Mm-hmm. Darnell Savage will lay the wood. You know, Clinton Dix came in. He was a ball safety and coverage, and we thought, okay, he's going to develop into a really good rangy guy. That never happened. But Darnell Savage can be that, and Adrian Amos can be your your own, you know your cerebral box guy. And Savage can get up and, and support the run too, you know. But I, I like that pick a lot, and I have to hope that works up, works out because that's that pick is the you know what the Packers gave the most up to get. So I'm going to go with that one. I will say um, I got a little spoiled. It's only his 
Gutekunst second draft, but I got a little spoiled last year, and I was kind of hoping for some, you know, you know, picking up some picks for next year. <laughs> and that just, you know, that that just really didn't happen a whole lot this year. But listen, you know, if you can find guys to pick this year, and it's a strong class, or they happen to be available, you know, I I, I get a little leery of every year that's like, oh, this year is a strong class for this or that position. Listen, I don't care about classes. I want to know about players. I don't care if there's two or one good exposition I want that guy you know as far as I'm concerned it's a good class that year because that guy ended up in Green Bay and he balled out so I don't know that I want to buy into the fact that you know I mean the GMs think that way and the draft analysts think that way and there's always a run on certain positions that change everybody's strategy on draft day so there is something to it but you know to say next year's class is going to be a good defensive line or outside linebacker or quarterback class Okay, whatever. Um, Darnell Savage to me at this point, but again, I'm I'm hoping that Gary overtakes him because you know obviously he's he's the uh, you know the highest net worth pick that the Packers made. But you know I, that defensive backfield has, has been a need. They completely uh, rotated it and changed it out, and you've got two brand new safeties. But I'll tell you this: for those of you who don't like change out there that are listening to this show, you know, yeah, you might know who Kentrell Price is, you might know who Baja Clinton Dix is. And we might miss them because they're names that we got familiar with, and there are certain other things we might like about those guys. But are you honestly going to tell me that you're not more excited about the prospect of Adrian Amos, who's going to face his former team twice this year, and be fired up and jacked up for that? By the way, that one of those two meetings is happening on opening night in his former building. So his first game and it's with his new team is, is going to be in his former home. And a... First round pick Darnell Savage, who Gutekunst, like you said, he said if they would have waited till thirty, they weren't getting him. So he's a first round talent. You can't possibly tell me that that's not an exciting thing to think about when you when you see that defense lineup. Yeah, he's definitely somebody the Packers clearly targeted. They wanted. They went up and got him because they knew they weren't going to get him. Savage was my pick for this pick as well. I have not been shy saying that I thought he was the best safety in this draft. Now, at the same time, I did say that I didn't want the Packers to trade up for a safety. But after hearing Gutekunst talk and say, this was our guy, this is the only guy that they didn't think it was. He said he didn't think it was a very deep class. So that spoke volumes to me. And he also said he knew for a fact that they wouldn't get him if he stayed at 30. So it's somebody they clearly, really liked. Clearly, they wanted to target. Clearly, they have plans for him. I think it is. It, I think it's going to be one of the best uh, picks this year. I don't know. I mean, I can't say this for sure. You know, the uh, the rookie of the year type stuff. Those are guys typically that end up with like the really sexy numbers, interceptions, sacks, stuff like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year, Darnell Savage is on the short list for defensive rookie of the year. I, I do think really highly of him. I think he's very good. Jason, of all the picks, which one uh, was? the most disappointing to you and for, you know, what your reasons were? Man, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question because I don't know enough about some of these later picks to really know. I mean, in the moment it was Rayshon Gary. Um, but I, I, I don't, I, w- I won't submit him. I don't want to submit him as, as the name. I, if only because I don't know anything about these guys, I will say this. Um, the Holman pick in six, that seems like a, 
a huge reach. I mean, you know, I go to Chase at TV and look at the recaps. We did a we did a profile on every single player that was drafted by the Packers. There's a nice recap that's up there of all the draft picks as well. And Holman to me just seems like you know, I mean, listen, that's what you do in this in the sixth and seventh round is you take a flyer. And he ran a four four forty, so I get it. He's fast. But I just look at his size. I look at his, his his highlight tape is basically just tape of plays that he's in on, that he's on the field for. He, he's not even, you know, making the tackle or making the play in a lot of them. He only had two interceptions. Now, he did have 18 pass breakups this past season. I don't know who Toledo spends the majority of their time playing, you know. But to me, that seems like could you – maybe gotten somebody a little bit more useful at six. I mean, at that point, you can still find somebody who can contribute on special teams. Um, you know, I, I have to wonder if, if maybe that, that was a, a, a huge, huge reach. But, I mean, I'm just throwing a name out there because I I, I, I like the Sternberger pick. He was a name that was mocked to the Packers. He seems like the type of guy that this offense is suited for in terms of what they're going to ask him to do. I mean, he really just needs to, you know, know how to run a route and the offense will try to will try to get him open and he's got a quarterback that can throw him open you know Jenkins was very highly rated he's very versatile there's nothing to hate there I obviously love the Savage pick and I told you I was getting a lot warmer on Rashawn Gary so that's a tough question Jake what I mean I don't know are you in agreement or, or do you have a different guy well here's here's kind of my thing um I like Jay Sternberger the player uh, of the tight ends after the Iowa one, you could have very Iowa ones. You could have very easily talked me into liking him the most. I think he's going to do a very good job for Green Bay. Uh, I, you know, I know some people are. I, I want to know when we became like the group of people that completely fetishized run blocking. I, I, I just don't understand it. Um, it yeah, I don't want to get too much into that, but. Jay Sternberger can hit the seam. Uh, he can stretch the field. He's good after the catch. He catches the ball with his hands. Green Bay clearly liked him. They had a pre-draft visit with him uh, and then took him in the third round. It seemed like something, some dots that you could have connected if you know if he was available at a certain point um, that Green Bay was going to take him. However, here's kind of the bit. So, Jason... We've done a lot of shows together, obviously. Other than Brian Burns, who I've talked to you about a lot, who was my draft crush from pretty much the beginning of this entire process? And before before I answer this question, it disgusts me how good of a draft on paper this team ended up having. I'm just so, so grossed out. That would be Michigan's Chase Winovich. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, Chase Winovich is the answer. I, I even made the joke starting, I believe, in March that my Twitter account was now a Chase Winovich fan account. Uh, and I've, I've, I've talked about him quite a bit. Here's the thing. When Green Bay, you kind of got the sense that that's when Winovich was going to go, was the third round. After he didn't go on you know, day one or uh, you know, in the second round, you kind of got the sense that the floor, unless there was something we didn't know, was the third round. And... You could have argued that picking an edge rusher was overkill, you know, with everything that they've done. I would not have made that argument, but you could have argued it. And Aaron Campman announced the Packers' third-round pick. And uh, after Campman comes to the stage, 
I'm thinking like, oh, they sent a former pass rusher out there from the Big Ten. This is possible. And <laughs> Aaron Campman says the Packers select Chase, and I rewound it to make sure I wasn't hearing what I wanted to hear. But he pronounced Jace Sternberger's name Chase. And I freaked out. <laughs> I like stood up and then he said Sternberger and Adam, my brother, looks at me and just goes, Jace. I'm like, that is not what he said. And I rewound it and Adam was like, wow, you were right. He did. He said, so Sternberger, the player, wasn't disappointing. The fact that I heard and thought for about three seconds that the player I've wanted in Green Bay, maybe more than anybody for quite some time was coming to Green Bay, uh, and then he got picked by the freaking Patriots, one of the teams I would have really preferred he not ended up with about three picks later. Uh, so that stunk. But So it, that was the most disappointed that I was through the draft uh, was when I thought they were getting Winovich and they ended up with Sternberger. But I do think Sternberger is going to be a really good player. Jason, that is it. We're going to close the book on the 2019 NFL draft process here. I'm sure there's plenty of stuff that's going to come out in the next couple days, but that is it. That is all. We want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Check us out at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. Uh, find us on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, give us reviews. We like those reviews to have five stars. Uh, send us you know, feedback, all that sort of stuff. But we've really enjoyed this the entire time. You can follow Jason on Twitter as well. He's at Jason Perone. Not a regular on Pack-A-Day, but maybe something that should change. Um, Andy, if you're listening, I'm sure that's something that he would enjoy. So if we can figure that out, that's something that can happen. But I'm not going to you know, push too far in one direction. That's the boss. And if there's anything I've learned, you don't mess with the boss. So thank you, guys. The feedback's been really awesome. And something else uh, on, a, on a personal note, um, Thursday night I sent out a tweet asking for some positive thoughts on, a, on an interview that I had, and the response was overwhelming. Uh, I think I had, between mentions and likes and retweets and all that other stuff, I think I had like over 300 responses um, on that. So that was awesome. Uh, I appreciate that on your guys' end as well. But as I mentioned, that is it. That is all. We are done for this. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Rayshon Gary, Darnell Savage, Jay Sternberger, Elton Jenkins, Kingsley Kiki, all kinds of different players. All new guys, 2019 draft classes in the books. Next stop is training camp and football will be here before you know it. The draft is over. Thank you guys for listening as always. And go Pack Go. With the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers. Who are you supposed to be? Um, Captain America. Rodgers takes quarterback sneak, reaches over, and the ball came loose, but it's a touchdown! A touchdown, Green Bay! Rodgers reached it over, and the Packers have taken the lead! To announce the Green Bay Packers selection, please welcome wide receiver James Lofton. With the 53rd pick of the 2014 NFL Draft, the 13-time NFL champion Green Bay Packers select... Devontae Adams. I am Thor, son of Odin. Rogers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end zone.
2018 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Jair Alexander. The truth is, I am Iron Man. Snap, blitz on, Allen running for his life, gets by Reggie Gilbert, throws it back over the middle, and it is intercepted out the end zone. Here come the Packers, down the right side of the 20 to the 25, it is Jair Alexander on the return. With the 27th pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Kenny Clark. Packers showing blitz snap to Cousins under some pressure. He's had it Kenny Clark! They have a deal in place with the Chicago Bears. Mack is on his way to Chicago. I want to be great. I want to be great. I want to be known as one of the best to play the game. I always thought of myself as the best defensive player in the league. That's what comes with Mac. Tell me his name again. Thanos. Read it. Run from it. Destiny arrives all the same. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. The Avengers? Us mightiest heroes. Sort of like a team. Five letters here. Just for everybody out there in Packer land and yourself today. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're in the end game now. There's one goal here. Always has been one goal. That's to win world championships. And we're excited to get started. It is my pleasure to introduce Matt LaFleur... As the 15th head coach of the Green Bay Packers in our 100th season. I'm all about family. If that's one thing you're going to learn about me, it's I, I love my family. I did have the opportunity to talk to Aaron, and I'll tell you what, I, I, I cannot wait to get to work with him. I think he's equally as excited. With the 12th pick, the Green Bay Packers select 